Welcome to our exchanges at Goldman Sachs Markets Update for Friday, February 5th. Each week, we check in with a leader across the firm to get a quick take on what they are watching in markets. This week, we're continuing our exploration of the retail trading boom and what it means for investors. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm, and we're joined by Joe Duran, Head of Personal Financial Management for Goldman Sachs. Joe, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jake. I'm thrilled to be here. So, Joe, as we've discussed on this program a little bit this week, there's been a tremendous number of individuals opening brokerage accounts to trade individual stocks. How does the retail activity that's been getting a lot of attention in the media line up with the academic principles of retirement savings and investing? Well, it doesn't line up at all, actually. When you think about it, when you're looking at retirement, it's typically several years out. You're making decisions that will affect you over your lifetime. And trading is really not about that. It's about how much can I make right now? How do I avoid losses right now? So you're dealing with a different part of your brain. You're dealing with your instincts rather than with your judgment. And I would just say that if you are making lifetime, life-changing decisions, you don't want to be impulsive. You don't want to be emotional. And this is really like a sugar high. Like a lot of what is happening is instant gratification or instant pain. It's not that different than video gaming. And in fact, I think it's a great analogy that a lot of people are cooped up and they're using this kind of like high stakes video gaming. And in fact, when you look at some of the messaging that's happening, it feels like that. The the interactions are like people have when they're playing a video game and they're making fun of each other and they're talking about storming the castle. And it's the same thing. This is not investing. This is speculation and gaming with a lot of people having real life consequences, some doing okay, but the vast majority getting harmed in the process. So I don't think that you can compare them really as an investing conversation. So Joe, we've seen in the past few weeks, a really severe short squeeze, one of the biggest in modern stock market history. What are your personal financial management clients telling you about how it's having an impact or not having an impact on their own portfolio strategies? Your folks are mostly thinking much more longer term So how do they view this boom in retail activity and some of what's happening? Well, you know, we're dealing with people's life-changing wealth. And, you know, it's important. We have some very simple principles when it comes to investing and making financial choices. The first one is that your financial life will not be ruined, should not be ruined by your investment decisions. It will be ruined by choices you make in your life that you can't fund and that you're not prepared for. So our job as advisors is to really help you understand what you can control and focus on that and not make choices that end up harming you. And so when you're in a situation where there's a lot of emotions, where there's lots of news, I mean, it's been hard to avoid GameStop. I play beach volleyball. Everyone I play volleyball with is saying the same thing. Should I own or I did buy and now I'm making all this money. Of course, they never tell you when they lose money, right? And a good advisor, their primary job is to give you perspective, to help you step back and say, okay, if you want to go play, Play with a hundred bucks, have some fun, just like you would in a casino in Las Vegas. But that is not part of the stuff that really counts. Because again, you want to control the things you can control and you have absolutely no say on what happens in a short squeeze, how it unfolds. And candidly, these stories always end badly. You know, I was doing this in 99. I remember very well, and this feels very much like it, where it's everyone's vesting in a greater full theory. I'll buy regardless of the price in the assumption that some other idiot will come in and pay more than me at some point. But what happens when people head for the doors is usually the smartest people are out the door first and everyone else who was having a coffee break at the time or had meetings or was raising their kids 
wasn't there to see that everyone had run out the doors and you're left holding a bag. And so what I encourage everyone is don't confuse your life-changing wealth with your play money. And do not think that you can take on the billions in assets. I think it's very compelling. It's quite romantic, the story that's being told that this is the small going against the big. But the truth is that unless you can control the outcome, don't be silly enough to step in and put your future on the line. So our job as advisors is really is to provide perspective and point out the blind alleys you might not see for yourself because your emotions are involved and then help you to optimize your decision making, regardless of whether it's when you retire or what the impact is of a divorce or an illness, because those are the things that really impact your life. Retiring one year earlier has a much bigger impact than if you outperform or underperform the S&P 500. So Joe, from a personal financial perspective, What are some of the costs that individual investors have to consider, whether it's tax impact, transaction costs, or or higher cost of options that have accompanied some of the heightened volatility we've seen in stocks recently? Well, just remember the volatility only affects you if you do something about it. So I always try to tell people volatility is, it comes and goes, it ebbs and flows, just like the waves, you know? So what I would say to everyone is, look, volatility harms you if you step into it and do something about it. And I'll use the recent big decline we had, the sharpest decline we've had in the shortest period in that six weeks where we lost 35% on the S&P 500. That was the most abrupt decline that we saw right when the pandemic hit about a year ago. And people were mortified. We had some clients that called us saying, I'm losing all my money. I got to go to cash. And I'm like, you only lose your money if you in fact stop participating. Of course, six weeks later, we were back like nothing had happened. And even though the economy is scary, the stock market has continued to do remarkably well because companies adapt and change. And this is the beauty of investing. If you don't get sucked into the noise and the media news cycle, which can be entertaining and fun to watch, but should not drive your investment decisions. So I think you should separate entertainment from investing. And the job is whenever you have an impulse, ask yourself one question. Am I doing this for a fear of missing out In other words, I got to get in because everyone's making money or a fear of losing money. I got to get out because I don't want to lose any more money. Because in both those cases, your emotions are driving your decision and you are likely to be making the worst possible decision at that time because alongside you, everyone else is feeling the same way. And money is not made by doing what everyone does. It's by doing what's right for you at every given situation. What I tell everyone is, If you're uncomfortable with the volatility, then you're taking too much risk in your portfolio as a whole. And it should not be viewed in the context of today's volatility. It should be viewed in the context of your portfolio. And a good advisor should have you set up so you can withstand whatever volatility the market gives you. And again, it's been a remarkable 25 years. We've had two 50% declines, a 35% decline. And I recall in the 80s and 90s, there was nothing like that when we were investing. It was just very, very low volatility. And we're in a new era now. So make sure your overall portfolio has the right risk ability so that you can actually withstand whatever volatility is out there in the market. All right, Joe, how are your investors thinking about active versus passive investing? Obviously, passive has been on a huge boom for for many, many years, but active is coming back a little bit. So how, how are people thinking about those choices in today's environment? Well, the biggest issue for most investors today is how do I get yield on my portfolio? Honestly, that is the number one question we hear from our tens of thousands of clients is I got to get yield, especially if you're approaching retirement. And because there's so few alternatives when the 10-year is just over 1% on the 10-year bond, you're naturally pushed out the risk curve. 
So there are two things I'd advise everyone. First, make sure you don't have maturity of bonds that are too far out. So in the active versus passive, first of all, if you're going to own bonds, own individual bonds where you can, and if you don't, if you don't have the resource, you need to own an ETF or a mutual fund, own short maturity. So if the interest rates go up, you don't get harmed. Because right now, capturing an extra 25 basis points of yield comes with a lot more risk. You have to go out either out maturity or out risk. On equities, I have a very simple view of the world, which is the large cap market is fairly efficient and indexing works. In some parts of the market, emerging markets, small caps, there are inefficiencies, but you need to be really diversified because you'll get noise like you get in GameStop or we had in AMC. You know, there'll be individual stocks that can make a lot of noise up and down. And so you want to be very diversified, but you can find value-added management where the markets are not already extremely efficient. And large cap US is an incredibly efficient. So what I tell people is own indexes, but own the individual securities so you can tax manage around them. So if you own all 500 of the S&P 500, many of them will be going down. You will get opportunities to tax loss harvest in that and then capture the rebound in a different equity and still have tax alpha which you can control. Again, focus on what you control. Keep loss costs low and manage your taxes so that you can actually withstand whatever happens, but also reduce your liabilities and your costs for investing. Well, Joe, you came to Goldman when Goldman bought a company that you founded, not the first company you founded, but the latest, uh, United Capital, which is now Goldman Sachs Personal Financial Management. You've been here long enough to have an interesting perspective on the firm. Um, You want to share with the audience what some of the surprises that Goldman's brought Check, I have two, but you know, when I came from Zimbabwe, I built two companies, you know, my first one I sold to GE, this one I sold to Goldman Sachs. And like everyone else, I had very significant impressions about what Goldman Sachs was. Of course, the smartest guys in the room and gals in the room, but also an impression that they were super arrogant people. And I can't tell you how far from that I have found everyone to be here. They're super down to earth, incredibly authentic. The second was, you know, oh, it's Wall Street. It's all about them and products and everything else. Couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, this is a obsessive about client well-being and doing the right thing under all conditions at every level of the organization, no matter where you go. So I have to tell you, first of all, the nicest people I've met, I'm incredibly thrilled and honored to be part of it because they're just brilliant, but they're also really nice and care a lot about doing the right thing. So it is not remotely what I expected when you think about a big Wall Street institution with 150 years of heritage, I realized the way we've gotten here is by providing advice to some of the wealthiest people in the world. And for me, it's an honor to be able to offer that kind of instinct and knowledge and experience to people who in the past weren't able to work with Goldman Sachs. And that's what we're trying to do is to try to expand our expertise and provide it on a human level, on a personal level, right in with clients that never would have had access to all of our amazing thinking and research. All right, Joe. Well, it's been a pleasure to work with you over the last several years. And thanks for joining us today to share your perspective on the markets. Thanks, Jake. Have a great weekend. All right. That concludes this episode of Exchanges at Goldman Sachs. Thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, we hope you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a comment. And in case you missed it, check out our other episode on retail investing this week with leaders around the firm who explain the market dynamics and what it means for institutional investors and corporations. This podcast was recorded on Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021. Thank you for listening. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. 
This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.